So today is the fourth Sunday of Easter. We celebrated Easter a few weeks ago, and we're going to continue to celebrate Easter. In the church calendar, Easter continues on all the way till Pentecost, and that'll be coming up in a few weeks. Um, But for now, we're still talking about the resurrection. We're talking about Jesus and what he means to us and and kind of how we can experience new life and resurrection right now in our own lives. Um, You may not know this, but the fourth Sunday of Easter has a name, and it's traditionally always called Good Shepherd Sunday. So if you didn't notice, we were singing some songs about shepherds. We were reading scripture about shepherds this morning, Um, and that is because today is Good Shepherd Sunday. You may recall uh, John 10, 14 in the, in the Bible, the New Testament, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. A few verses later in our lectionary text for today, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You may recall what Jesus said to Peter from our text from last week. When he told Peter to feed my sheep. I'm going to tell you up front what my message is all about. And it really is summarized well by a woman named Caroline Lewis. She says, don't let another Good Shepherd Sunday pass on by without abiding in how deeply you are known. And how deeply others need to feel the same. It's quite simple. Today we're going to try to abide in the fact that we are deeply known by God. And also, we're going to be compelled and hopefully challenged and inspired to share that same love, that same knowing with others. As we reflect on Jesus as the Good Shepherd today, we're going to be reminded once again that we are deeply loved and known by God. Just as a shepherd cares for his or her sheep, God cares for us. And we will also be reminded today how desperately others need to know that love of God and be known by God as well. We are invited, all of us, to be part of God's flock, to be sheep in His fold. And He knows every last one of us. He counts us daily. You know, as we learned from last week, we are also called to be good shepherds, to care for the flock and even go out and invite others to join. You know, love is really meant to be shared. You know, we we are loved by God, but if it's just between me and God, this is not the kind of love that God pours out on us. Because the love that God has poured out on us is meant to be shared with others. And that's really the story of all of Scripture, that God so loved us, filled us up with so much love, and then we pour out that love upon others others. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about the good shepherd and the sheep. That's where this famous I am statement, I am the good shepherd comes from in John chapter 10. Yet what we often don't realize is that all this talk of shepherds and sheep, it comes as a response to something that happened in John chapter 9. So I'm not going to read all these texts right now, but if you have a Bible and you want to open up just to kind of see where we're at, that might be helpful for you. But we're going to be in John chapter 9 and also be looking at some in John chapter 10 as well. But there's a story in John chapter 9 about a blind man who is healed by Jesus. And we can't understand Jesus is the good shepherd if we don't understand this story because it all goes together. Often our chapter divisions in the Bibles where we have headings and everything, 
it makes us sometimes miss the fact that some of this is like a continuous story. And so chapter 9 to 10 is one continuous story. And we need to pay attention to both. And so we're going to go back to John chapter 9 today. And through this story, we're going to learn about God's love. And we're going to learn about God's desire to share that love with everyone. So I'm going to tell you the story. So y'all, can, this is going to be story time for us. So hopefully it's a beautiful story. And so hopefully y'all will be inspired and challenged by this story like I have been over the past few years. So one day, uh, Jesus was in Jerusalem, the capital city there, and he was walking along a crowded dirt road with his disciples. It was the Sabbath, so the Jews were not working on the Sabbath, and everybody was probably outside enjoying themselves in the city. In the midst of all the chaos and noise, Jesus notices a blind man who was sitting off to the side of the road. This man, we learn from the text, has been blind for his entire life. He was born with this condition. Most people would probably fail to even see the blind man sitting there, but Jesus saw him. And Jesus not only saw him, but he walked over to him and he spoke to him. And then after he got to this man, he did something very, very strange. And this was probably strange then and certainly strange today. He gathered up some saliva in his mouth. He spit onto the ground. He mixed some dirt and saliva together to make some mud. And then he rubbed the mud in the blind man's eyes. Now, in the whole COVID era, this is like absurd to think about someone doing something like this. But Jesus did this to this man. Now, I imagine the blind man was certainly taken off guard by what just happened. He was probably extremely confused. Um, He couldn't see what was going on. But I imagine underneath that confusion perhaps was a sense of comfort. People had failed to notice him on a daily basis. People were probably not reaching out and touching him. And Jesus took notice of him and he touched him. And then Jesus spoke to the man and he said, hey, Now, I put all this mud on your face. I want you to go and wash off the mud in the pool of Siloam. Now, what happens after this was mind-blowing. It was unheard of. As the man washed the mud out of his eyes, he experienced something so powerful and confusing and exciting. Maybe thinking he was dreaming, he dried his eyes, he opened them, And he saw the water in the pool in front of him. This man had never seen a thing in his entire life with his eyes. But now he could see. The world was opened up to him in a brand new way. He had lived in this kind of darkness for his entire life. And now he saw light. He left the pool and ran to his home. Now his neighbors saw him. And they were completely confused. It's it's interesting and also sad that his community didn't even seem to recognize him. Perhaps all they saw about this man was his blindness. And they failed to really see underneath of all that. People ask, is this the blind man that always sits by the road and begs? Certainly not. It only looks like him. No, I, I think it might be him. The man uh, 
who was once blind, heard their comments and spoke up. And he said, hey, it's me. I am that man and I can now see. And he said that the man who they called Jesus made some mud with his spit. He put it in my eyes and he told me to wash it out in the pool. And they did what he said and then I could see. Now his neighbors were confused, maybe even frightened. I imagine very intrigued by what was going on here. And so they took him to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, to see what they would say about what happened here. Now, if anyone would knew what was going on here, maybe the religious leaders would know what is going on, right? They're supposed to know things. You know, people come to me asking for answers, and I'm like, I don't know anything. Um, But they thought the religious leaders should know something, right? So the man told the Pharisees the story, and you would think that the Pharisees would be excited about such a thing, right? That this man's life had been transformed, that he could now see. This is a reason to rejoice, to be glad, to celebrate, to sing songs of gratitude and thanksgiving. But instead, they were angry. And you know what they were mad about? This is just like classic Adventures and missing the point, right? They were mad and angry that Jesus had created mud and that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Because making mud was actually prohibited on the Sabbath. Healing was often prohibited on the Sabbath. So if Jesus broke the Sabbath laws, then he can't be from God. Therefore, his healing is not real. It is not legit. According to their interpretation of the laws and regulations, Jesus had to be a sinner. And even though Jesus produced wonderful fruit, set a man free from something that greatly impacted his life, Jesus was still a sinner in their eyes. So the Pharisees, they wanted to investigate. And so they sent for the once blind man's parents to see if they could confirm his story that he was blind from birth. They wanted to know, is this really true, what he's saying? The religious elite, they didn't believe this man. Much like today, powerful people often don't believe the poor. And the ironic part is that powerful people all too often lie and lie and lie and lie. This man's parents admitted that he was blind from birth. They said, yeah, he's been blind from birth. But it says that out of fear, They would not confirm or deny that Jesus had a thing to do with it. They said, ask our son. He can tell you about what happened. Now the Pharisees said to the once blind man, they said, give glory to God by telling us the truth. We know that the man you call Jesus is a sinner. And the man responded with this incredibly powerful and simple, but just profound statement. He said, Whether or not he's a sinner or not, he's like, I don't know about that. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Now the Pharisees grew even more angry at this comment, at this boldness, at the way he told the simple truth to them. Because a man of this guy's standing should not speak to the religiously uh, powerful people in that way. After further conversation, they ended up throwing the man out of the temple to never return. He was kicked out of the temple. You could use modern language. Kicked out of a religious place like a church. 
not allowed or welcome in the religious community. Makes me think of people today that have been burned or rejected by the religious people. Meanwhile, Jesus got word that this man had been banished by some of the Jewish leaders. Now, Jesus had heard the story. He, he knew he had healed this guy, and he got word that, that they had kicked him out of the temple. And, he, and Jesus, you know, Jesus had a lot going on. At that point, he could have been like, well, that's really sad for him, but I got I to move on to other places. I got a lot of work to do. I got other people to heal. Um, and he could have just gone about his business. But here's just a, a powerful point in this story. Jesus took the time and initiative to go out and find this man. He had heard what happened to him, and Jesus decided, I'm going to go look for him, I'm going to find him, and I'm going to reach out to him. And so Jesus went to find this man and reach out to him. And he eventually found him, and when he found him, he asked him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said to him, who is he? Who is he, he asked. He says, tell me that that I might believe in the Son of Man. And Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one who is speaking to you right now. Then the man said to him, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. The famous early church father, John Chrysostom, said, the one whom the Jews cast out of the temple, the Lord of the temple found. This man ended up joining the movement, and he became a follower of Jesus. And the irony of this story is that the blind man was the one who could actually see in the story. But the Pharisees who had their sight were, in fact, blind. Everyone in this story failed this suffering man, except Jesus. The community failed him. They couldn't even recognize him. They barely knew this guy. The family failed him. They wouldn't defend him or speak the truth about him because they were afraid of the religious leaders. And the religious leaders certainly failed him, going so far as to kick him out of the temple. A question I've been thinking about really for the last few years is this. I wonder, who are the folks that we have failed today? Who are the folks we have failed today? I encourage you to take a moment just to think about that for yourselves. Who are the folks that we have failed today? I've thought of a few. There's, there's plenty of examples we could come up with. But I think we've got to be honest about the ways that we have left people out. And, and just to be straight with you all, like I, I've actually realized even recently that there's people that, that I have failed recently, and people that I have failed to reach out to, even in our church, own church community. And, and loving people that love me has said, John, like you were kind of losing sight of some folks in our congregation, and, and we're trying to do better. And so I've had to ask those questions about myself, even. As I think broader about our, our big church, you know, the big C church, I think that, uh, you know, this is something we've been talking about the last many years in our nation. And more recently, a lot of people have kind of opened their eyes to see the way that white Christians in particular have failed black Christians in America. We've mostly stayed quiet when violent oppression has been taking place for hundreds and hundreds of years. Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about these very things in his letter from the Birmingham jail. You should go read it. Talking about how so many people have failed him and his people. 
You know, when George Floyd was killed a couple of years ago, a lot of people uh, perked up and wanted to learn, wanted to dig in. But what has happened then is a lot of people just put it on the back burner now. And we have mostly forgotten and grown very quiet once again. You know, a thing that I've been thinking about recently, um, particularly in the last couple of years, is the church has really failed the LGBTQ community. You know, I have a friend who is a gay Christian, and I was talking to him recently, um, and he was telling me a story of where he came from and his life. And, and he told me when he came out to his parents and told them he was gay, they went and told their pastor at their church. And you know what the pastor said? He said that they needed to kick him out of their house immediately. And if they didn't do it, then they wouldn't be welcome to come to his church ever again. Someone I know, all right? And there are so, so many stories so similar to this, countless stories. Fortunately, the parents decided to leave that church, which praise God for that. But in this story, what we see is that Jesus seeks out the people who were rejected by the religious leaders. And certainly Jesus is going out, reaching out to these folks, even today, running after these folks that have been pushed out of churches time and time and time again. And now we see all these people, the trans community, being vilified and demonized, even on a national level and across our entire world. And I think Jesus weeps over these kinds of things. Christians have also failed the poor is another example I was thinking of. My brother Isaac shared on our Facebook church community recently a question that um, he, he and his family came across from some friends they had. And they, they asked basically uh, some Japanese Christians that they were working with, where... where uh, do the poor go to church? Like, essentially, where is the church for the poor? <laughs> because they said most of the churches they go to are mostly affluent, middle, upper-class people. And they're like, where are the poor supposed to go to church? And it sparked some really good conversation within our community group about these very questions. And I think in America, we've often turned a blind eye to those disparities that exist between those who have and those who don't. Um, the pandemic really exposed the way that we neglect the poor. A lot of people came out of the pandemic with more money than they've ever had. But the vast majority of the people came out of it really, really struggling. And we often don't see that. You know, Jesus said that the poor will always be among you. And the big question for Christians today is, where are they? Are they among you? Are you reaching out? When we move into chapter 10, uh, we hear this important I am statement from Jesus. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus had just witnessed how the religious elite, the community, the family of this man had all utterly failed at caring for him. The Pharisees were supposed to be shepherds for their people, and they were supposed to guide and lead them to God. But many of them failed. They did not shepherd the people as they were supposed to. And so then Jesus tells this story about a shepherd who cares deeply for his sheep. The sheep know the sound of his voice, and the shepherd would do anything to make sure all the sheep are cared for and at home with the shepherd. Throughout the Old Testament, God is portrayed as a shepherd that cares for his flock. This is one of the most ancient designations of God in Scripture. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Psalm 23 that uh, we read this morning is perhaps the most popular Scripture about God as shepherd. Jesus uses this beautiful image of God as shepherd to justify his actions of caring for people who are hurting and loving people who have been rejected. And Jesus says he's the good shepherd basically to contrast his way of leading and loving 
with the way those particular Pharisees were failing. There's this beautiful prophecy in Ezekiel 34. It's become one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Y'all should go read the whole thing. I'm not going to read it all today. But in Ezekiel 34, the prophet basically asserts that one day God is going to bring everyone home to live in his beautiful, safe, and peaceful pasture. He says that God will be their shepherd and they will be his sheep. And this prophecy came as a response to the shady leadership of the people in Israel. There were some lousy shepherds who were leading them at that point, and they cared only for themselves, and they neglected to care for the weak and the lost and the broken. And so God says, one day I will shepherd you, and all of y'all are going to be taken care of. Trust me. And then at the end of it, it says this, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will shepherd the flock with justice. What does shepherding the flock with justice look like? We're called to imitate God in the way we care for each other. And so what would it look like for us as a community and as individuals to shepherd the flock with justice? How do we do this? Well, the story of the blind man being healed and invited in community with Jesus tells us that the answer is very simple, that we make sure that everybody's taken care of. (laughs) We make sure that all are taken care of. Humans, we have a knack for leaving people out, don't we? And shepherding the flock with justice means we pay special attention to the ones who have been left out and pushed aside, the ones on the outside. And I will never stop talking about this. <laughs> and, and some people don't like if we ever, you know, say things that seem like they're, oh, you're talking about politics or whatever. The problem is we have a knack for pushing people out. And Jesus would potentially go and he would find the people on the outside and he would place them at the center of his life and ministry. And so we have to pay attention how this is happening in our community, but also on a bigger scale. And we've got to ask the questions, how do we make sure everybody in our society is cared for and loved and taken care of? And Jesus is going to continue to push us further and further out to the margin so that we can place those who have been pushed aside and say, no, you're actually at the center of what we are about as a church and as individuals. That's what shepherding the flock with justice looks like. If you don't believe me, go read the parable of the 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 100 sheep and the one gets lost. And what does Jesus do? He goes out to find the lost sheep to bring the lost sheep back to the fold over and over and over again. There are examples of this throughout the Bible. And Jesus embodies it with the way that he actually lives his life. Shepherding the flock with justice means we pursue those. And this story tells us those who have been rejected and we invite them back in. We say, no, you're welcome here because we love you and because God loves you. If God cares for all the sheep, if God shepherds the flock with justice, then we ought to do the same. And just like God reached out to the blind man, God is reaching out to you. (laughs) And God loves you just as much as he loved that man. And God sees you. And God knows you. And God calls out to you and wants to invite you into community. And so if you feel, you might feel like the blind man today. You might feel like nobody pays attention to you, that you're going through something so dark and so difficult that nobody understands. God sees you. And God wants to meet you in that moment of need. And God cares for you just like a good shepherd cares for the sheep. And then also, the beautiful thing is once we're invited in, God calls us to go out and we got to invite others in. 
Because other people need to know that love of God, that wonderful, powerful love of God that loves everyone. Loves everyone. And, and so that is what God has called us. God loves you, and God wants to know you, and God already knows you. He knows everything about you, and He loves you anyway, which is crazy. That's grace right there. God knows everything about me, but still loves me. Um, I don't understand that. <laughs> um, and, and God wants everybody, every single person across the world, no matter who they are, no matter what their beliefs are, no matter what their political beliefs are, all of God wants every single one of them to know his love. And we are called to reach out to them, no matter who they are. That's what we're called to do, and to invite them into the fold so that they can know the love of the good shepherd.